Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways, which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be discussing healthcare data, how to gather it, manage it, use it better. So this episode is sponsored by Information Builders. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 13 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. Time to talk about data. <laughs> our, it's, it's one of our favorite topics, actually. You know, data is very, very useful or it can be misused. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's misleading or it could be informative, depending on the data, I guess. Well, and we seem to be, we're kind of in an oil rush, right? Like in terms of everyone trying to gather it. But, you know, I got to be honest, uh, not a lot of people are maybe leveraging it uh, to 100% of the value that's in there. So, but we're definitely in early days. You know, is is Google a tech company or is it a data company? You you can apply that to any, you know, all of these companies. Like, are they are they tech companies? Are they device companies? You're like, no, they're data companies. (laughs) (laughs) They're data companies. I can't I can't remember who said this. I, I want to say it was, was Sue, but maybe it was someone else. But, you know, I think today I think what they're how the quote went was, you know, today we're healthcare organizations that happen to collect data. And then tomorrow in the future, they will be data companies that happen to provide healthcare. I mean, that's sort of the world we're heading to. Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> well, if you're thinking about personalized medicine, maybe it's good. But yeah, I mean, if you're thinking more of the uh, uh, Cambridge Analytica, that's not so good. <laughs> yeah, well, and I guess that that really is the core question: is what do we do with the data? And it really brings up that kind of the first question, really, around is healthcare data an asset, and you know, and what does that mean for you as an organization? What What are your thoughts on that, Colin? Yeah, no, that's a good question, John. I mean, to me, I, I look at that question as um, much like how we treat money uh, in the sense of it's an asset that the, that the organization who holds it should be using and leveraging and uh, managing properly. So when you think about an asset, uh, let's say it's a, you know, whether it's a vehicle, if you're a fleet, manu- uh, fleet manager or, or uh, a hospital bed, if you're, if you're a hospital, you manage that asset in a certain way. You know, you, you, you have, there's, a, there's a life cycle to it. There's a certain maintenance that has to go along with it. There's a cost to it, but there's also value that you're extracting from it. Uh, to me, managing data as an asset, when people talk about that, that's what I think of in terms of, you know, you think about it as a hard asset and then treat it as such and work it into your uh, your management and operations uh, as opposed to, oh, this is something that IT does, right? Like it's an asset is something that the entire organization leverages. That's how I think of That's what I think about when I hear that. Yeah, I mean, I think the challenge is that uh, it depends on how you use your asset. And, you know, from, from, and I'm kind of of two minds, like my business mind is like, yeah, of course you, it's an asset and it's a really valuable asset that you need to leverage to be successful and to generate income and to personalize medicine or to, you know, to do all of these things. But then, you know, my, my, my evil twin, if you, <laughs> that's my angel side, right? <laughs> or, you know, like I have the evil angel side. 
yeah, but it can also be used to discriminate. It can also be used to to uh, hurt people that are vulnerable populations. It can be used, uh, you know, in ways that are nefarious to to line the pockets of certain people and and hurt others. And you know, so it's like you know, there's the good and the bad side of data, especially when you think of it as an asset, right? That is, you know, you could be used for good and bad. And I mean, healthcare that's challenging because it is such personal data that could be used in really bad ways to hurt individuals. No, you're absolutely right. But I think that's why the analogy to financial assets is, in my mind, is appropriate because much like money, money itself is not evil or good. It's just what you use it for and how you leverage it. Uh, the same thing can be said about data. It, it itself is not bad or good, but it is in how you deploy it and utilize it. Certainly there is a risk. I totally agree with you that, that it could be misused. Uh, but I also think that there's enough uh, good people in the world and companies interested in leveraging it for things like, you know, SDOH, right? Addressing, you know, the inequalities or uh, or using data to, to individualize medicine, uh, not necessarily just for the rich. Uh, I think all of those things are things that are possible uh, with all the data that we're collecting. Well, and some of it goes back to if the good people don't use the data for good reasons, then, you know, like then the bad people are certainly going to use it for bad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's certainly a balance. And at the end of the day, I mean, the data is going to be there. Uh, you know, I, I think I take a pretty, uh, I don't know if it's progressive or, you know, but expansive view that says basically they're going to have my data either way. So I might as well enjoy the personalization, uh, you know, and then we should work hard in, you know, other ways, legal and you know, other methods to limit the damages of the people who want to use it in bad ways. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good it's a good point. You, you know, it's already out there. I think, the, you know, your point is the cat's already out of the bag. The genie's left the, the bottle, whatever analogy, whatever, whatever cliche you want to use. Uh, it's already out there. And so I think it's better that we get ahead of it and start to find really valuable uses of the data. Uh, and that will hopefully show people that, oh, yeah, it's not just used for denying people coverage. Right. <laughs> Which is what yeah, people. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. And well, what's interesting is that the data is there. And it's an asset that I think it might be even the most underutilized as asset in healthcare. Well, and let's talk about that, John. I mean, um, you know, data itself is valuable. I and mean, we hear about it all the time in terms of, you know, how much is a record, a medical record worth on the black market and all those kinds of things and how much it will be worth to companies in the future to provide personalized medicine or, or a customized experience. But but not all data, health data is is equal, right? I mean, you just talked about that. Maybe you can explore that a little bit. Yeah, well, I think that you get both sides of it when you start talking to data people. And and my favorite, of course, is all the clinicians who are like, well, that data is not accurate. We can't trust it. And, <laughs> and they're right. <laughs> they know. They were the ones that entered it in. <laughs> and they're the ones that read it all the time and the, you know, they realize the inaccuracies of the data. So it's not wrong that the data has issues, especially much of the older data that you know was entered incorrectly you know, I had a great meeting with OmniCell talking about pharmacy data and, and their use of robots to be able to make sure that the data is done accurately. And when you take the human out of it, you improve the accuracy of the data by doing this pharmacy automation. So, you know, that was a powerful example of, you know, okay, that's how you improve the data. But I think what most people take it too far is they say, okay, well, if the data is not perfect, we shouldn't use it. 
So like, even if the data is not perfect, there's still a lot of value that can be gleaned from the data by removing outliers or, you know, doing other things to ensure the data, you know, you, you can still get value out of the data. So, you know, I, I think that's where it, it might be interesting. And, and, and it's true. Not all data is, is as valuable as others. I, I love the example of Fitbit, right? It produces a ton of data. And then you take it to the doctor and the doctor looks at it and says, who cares? Because it's just not medically relevant because that data is not nearly as valuable as someone who's been doing continuous blood glucose monitoring, which was, is much more valuable or, or some other medical device in the hospital that's been doing continuous monitoring of you. So, you know, definitely not all data is equal. And obviously the device data is much more accurate than say EHR data, which has a manual person entering information versus a sensor or something like that. You know, I, I, I think I want to take this in a slightly different direction, John, in terms of all data not being created equal. I mean, um, I think people, or if you haven't seen it, but um, if you look for a video on YouTube where you look at the racist uh, hand dryer, right? Mm. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this video where someone, you know, of color walks up to this hand dryer and puts their hands under it and it doesn't work. Uh, and when someone uh, who is light skinned goes underneath the hand dryer, it works. Uh, and, you know, what this shows is just basically they have an AI basically controlling uh, this hand dryer. Uh, but with the way they trained the AI was to use this data set. And inside that data set, they didn't realize that, of course, that uh, it was pretty much predominantly uh, white people that were in that data set. And so I look at um, this comment around, you know, not data, not all being created equal as being the fact that there's an inherent bias in a lot of data. And so we have to really work at, you know, making sure we remove that or be aware of that bias. And we don't base entire AI operations just on this bias data. Uh, you can just see that, you know, over time, this could be really, really bad for, for people. Yeah, well, and there is such an interesting mix between, uh, you know, the fact that the data could be biased. But, you know, in many ways, the AI that goes on top of that data, you know, maybe a healthcare chatbot has no bias, right? Like, you know, it's interacting. It doesn't, it may not even know your gender or your race or ethnicity or whatever, right? Um, but if the, you know, so it's, it's such a, you know, double-edged sword, right? In some ways, it can help uh, remove bias in the interaction with the front desk or, or whatever it might be. But, you know, but if the data is bad, then it's going to create new biases. Well, and that's the key, right? I think it's, it's, it's certainly a problem that no one has got a solution for, and by no means am I suggesting that we, you know, we're solving this today, but just you know, to be aware that much like the way that a lot of uh, medical tests are done only on a particular uh, class of patients, you know, we, we can't uh, assume that the data we're using to train AIs and to base a lot of our algorithm development on is 100% bias-free. I mean, you just have to be aware of that and factor that into the design yeah. of whatever it's, it's layering on top of. Well, the solution is more data. <laughs> exactly. Well, that, actually, that brings up a good point, John. I mean, that's, you know, to back to your point, just because it can be gathered and stored doesn't mean it's good data, right? You talked about the accuracy of it, but I think also, much like Fitbit data, long-term value of that in a medical sense, I mean, how valuable is it? And should it really be taking up the gigabytes of storage just for that information because it's so easy to get? I think a lot of uh, companies and a lot of organizations get enamored with, oh, wow, it's pretty easy to get that. So maybe I should just go and retrieve it and stick it in my warehouse, right? Uh, just because it's easy to get. Not really thinking about, well, is it 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so in that sense, you're, I agree. I don't think data is created equal, and we shouldn't we shouldn't just gather it for the sake of gathering it. Well, and your liability attorney wants that data gone as quick as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a that's a whole other uh, can of worms we could open around legality of data. Um, yeah, like sure. the Cambridge Analytica example is is a prime one. Definitely. Hey, for those of you guys tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with Colin Hung and John Lin. Today's episode is sponsored by Information Builders, who for 30 years has been helping organizations thrive through the pervasive use of data and analytics at scale in every aspect for all users and all use cases. Healthcare is actually one of their strategic verticals, and they have a special package called Omni Health Data, which will help you get started with advanced analytics and dashboards right out of the box. For more information, go to informationbuilders.com. It's amazing what information builders, and, and really there's a lot of companies working on this, have done to make data accessible to almost anyone, right? And really not just the data, but the data science around it and be able to create these dashboards. Like we're in really that, you know, the start of almost like the golden age of discovery of data where all of us can be data explorers, if you will. So I think that's what's so cool about companies like Information Builders that let you go and, you know, slice and dice it and do whatever you want with the data, display it in certain ways. Uh, I recently saw a company talking about how they got rid of PowerPoints at all of their meetings <laughs> and they just use the dashboards. And so, you know, it's like that's such a powerful idea. Well, exactly. And, and in fact, I was just at an information builders symposium here in Canada and they had a number of hospitals there presenting and two of them, they've actually banned PowerPoint. Uh, they actually have the capability now on their dashboard as they're reviewing it to enter comments. And then they, when they go into the meeting, they bring up that dashboard and the comments are there. So as you scroll through, as you dive down deep into the data, these comments will pop up from whoever was responsible for that area of the hospital, and they can just read the comments. There's no need to go to a, you know, cut and paste it into a separate PowerPoint and then write some text around it. It all happens in the dashboard, and the best part, it's, of course, real time. Right. So I've never heard of the commenting section. That, that's a, that's cool that you can comment in the data to have that. You know, I've always heard of it from more of a, oh, here's the dashboard. And then they look at it and say, well, why is that the case? And of course, in past meetings, if it's on a PowerPoint, you're like, well, let me research that and we'll do that next meeting. And, but, you know, a lot of these dashboards are interactive. You click on it, you dive into the right. data. You're like, oh, Dr. So-and-so is skewing it because he whatever. <laughs> so well, yeah, the comments is really interesting. I'd never heard of that. Yeah, no, and, and the both hospitals that I spoke to who use it, they're saying it saves the people so much time because what they, you know, as they're reviewing the data on a weekly, daily basis, they're writing the comments in and they don't have to think about it again, right? When you're preparing for that quarterly meeting, you have to go back and say, okay, well, what, what happened here? You have to remember. But because they enter it as they go, they're able to scroll back through time and they can see, you know, they can take a slice of the dashboard in time and see what those comments were. It saves tons and tons of extra work uh, where, you know, to prepare for those quarterly meetings, which is, I think is fantastic. Yeah, and one of the powers of data is uh, it's non-emotional. And in healthcare and as leaders, we sometimes get emotional. I mean, because we care about the people we work with, right? And so being able to have the data that's non-emotional that illustrates what's happening is such a powerful thing in any healthcare organization. Well, and, you know, that brings up a good point, John. And, and uh, you know, one of the topics that was brought up and one of the themes uh, that I got from that symposium is that it's way 
you know, data analytics and dashboards and even AI and machine learning on top of data is actually more than just about the data. I think, you know, in years past, it was just around how do you organize the data, normalize it, how do you cleanse it uh, and get it ready for use by those tools. But a lot of the themes that came out of the recent meeting was really more around, well, how do you get buy-in and, and how do you provide value? And how do you provide context for all the data and all the information that you have gathered? Uh, how do you visualize it properly? So it's actually a lot more, a lot of the talk was really more around how do you engage stakeholders and how do you make sure that you're being uh, empathetic to the end users and, their, and, and how they want to see the data. One of the best examples I heard was, you know, the finance department, which is typically responsible for producing a lot of the dashboards, uh, they have a certain way of referring to departments. Uh, and what they did was they realized that because of this dashboard they created was really meant for the operational people, they relabeled all of the department names the way that the operations folks refer to them, not the way that finance refers to them. And once they did that, the, the usage of that dashboard skyrocketed. All of a sudden, people were like really using it for, to gather insights, whereas before it was just used by finance. So that little change, that little involvement, that little listening and understanding of the plight of the end user really made a difference in the adoption of that particular dashboard. Well, and I think what we're seeing with data is it's pushing down to the point of care. It's pushing down to the clinicians across the, the entire organization. And I think that's where the mentality shift and all those soft skills matter so much more. When I'm just creating dashboards to give to senior executives that know how to do it, that's what they do all day is they look at data and try to try to understand the data and trends of the organization. They're kind of used to doing it, right? And so there, there's not the same need to, to get by but as you push it down to the individual clinicians or the nurses or whoever it might be that needs the data, like those soft skills of explaining why the data matters and helping provide context or right and, and helping them not just see the data, but the insights from the data that can actually be put into practice to help them improve it. You know, th there's so many more skills involved in selling that type of solution to them uh, that it's powerful. Although, uh, you know, I think the... Uh, the competitive juices is such a valuable thing that I've heard of so many people, right? I mean, there's truth in competition that's literally trained into our doctors in med school <laughs> as they're ranked in med school and getting grades. So I think that's a powerful one as well with the data. Well, that, that brings up a great point, John, is that, you know, we do want benchmarking, right? Everyone talks about wanting to benchmark, whether that's benchmarking at the organization level, or the benchmarking at a uh, department level or benchmarking at an individual level. And, and this is where I think some of the soft skills come into play is like, do you really want that? Do you really need that in all contexts, right? It certainly can be valuable to spur action, but in some cases it can also spur apathy, right? If you just look and you're at the bottom all the time, you know, is that, how helpful is that to everybody, right? Yeah. If, if you're that one hospital, it's always the outlier, like how helpful is that? So I think you have to be careful because uh, I think, you know, as data scientists and as data geeks, we all love this kind of stuff and we look at it very empirically, but we don't realize how uh, the emotional impact and the operational impact this can have when you can consistently see that you're just in the bottom quartile, right? It comes becomes deflating and, and really that defeats the purpose of having that data in the first place. Yeah, it can be demoralizing, right? Uh, <laughs> I think it, it's a challenge. You know, I, I wonder, we, we talk about tr uh, price transparency, which really is a data problem, right? Is, you know, being able to do the, the 
understand the data around price. And uh, I look at that and I'm like, is that going to be a good thing? It could be a really damaging thing. You know, when the doctor's like, dang, I want to prescribe you this, but like, I just know there's no way you're going to pay for it or, you know, there's no way you're going to get this thing. So I, mean, I guess it's an important thing to understand because it's going to happen anyway. Although, you know, there's a lot of ignorance. They get the treatment they need and then deal with the bills later. But uh yeah, I, I don't know. That's one of those that's you know going to be really challenging when we get the transparency of prices and other things. <laughs> what, what's that line? I wish it was from a comic book, but you know, with more data becomes more responsibility. Is that maybe something we can coin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually true, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, my favorite thought around this is it goes back to that whole perfection thing that, uh, you know, we don't need perfect data. And people are like, what, what if we give the, the doctor something that isn't fully complete? And the reality is that doctors have been treating patients with limited information. I mean, that, at the end of the day, that's what every clinician does is they have to do the best they can to treat the patient with limited information. And, you know, if we give them more information that is still limited, <laughs> uh, you know, that's still better than what they were doing before. So, you know, I think that's, you know, there is a you know, word of caution. It's like, actually, doctors are trained really well to process as much information as they can and make an educated decision based on limited information. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that again goes back to the point we made before, you know, not all data is created equal and not all of it should be gathered, even though you have easy access to it, right? You really got to engage your end users to determine what is useful. Uh, and then just, you know, leave yourself the ability to be flexible down the road. Um, you know, it's not like we had all of the data from all of time up until this point. We just make do from this point forward. The same thing can be said with data down the road. I mean, just because you didn't collect it now doesn't mean you can never collect it. Um, it just means yeah, it's maybe not useful now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only question I would say around that is is really, uh, you know, that sometimes you don't know how valuable a piece of data is going to be, right? Uh, I don't know if we would have thought like, oh, when are they opening the message would be such a valuable piece of data. But it turns out it really is because then you can understand, oh, this is the optimal time to send a message to them if you want the patient to actually engage. So, you know, I am a little torn, you know, like, you sort of, yeah, yeah, I think you want to be careful, but I think, you know, I think most, especially data people are like, collect as much as you can because you never know what's going to provide insight later. Full, full disclosure, neither John nor I have a vested interest in AWS or Google but for storage. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that actually that brings up a good discussion point, John, is, you know, how can we better leverage the wealth of data that's out there? I mean, you just brought up a great point to say, look, if, it, if you're already collecting data around a certain area, why not collect some of this other, what I call audit log data, when they opened it, when they logged in, when they, you know, access this information, because you're right, down the road, you know, you never know if that information, you know, could have become valuable. Now, of course, we understand how it could be leveraged. Uh, so the same could be said in terms of, you know, just, hey, if you're in there, collect all this other stuff, because it could turn out to be very valuable down for you down the road. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess my, uh, I don't know if it's a skewed or jaded view, is uh, is really just like, I'm, to be honest, we could leverage it 
every which way, right? Like there's no way we couldn't do better, right? We, we, we could do better quality data. We could, you know, we could do, use the data at the point of care. We can use the data, you know, as they check into their thing. We can, we can use the data in our revenue collections. We can use the data, you know, in, to personalize the, the, the care that's provided. We can use the data to better engage the patient outside of the home. We can, I mean, like, I, I don't know a way that we couldn't leverage the data better in healthcare. Well, uh, you know, I, I totally agree. I mean, and, and hey, if you can afford the storage and, and it's easy to get to, I say, I, I'm like you, go for it and store it because uh, you just never know how you can leverage it. But, but a couple of areas I think we could do a better job. Uh, actually, one side is uh, patient-generated data. I know a Fitbit perhaps is not great data, but some of these other home monitoring devices and other devices that are much more clinical quality or clinical grade um, I don't think we do a good enough job um, uh, storing that information, leveraging it, or even putting it back into the EHR. Um, I think that is a missed opportunity. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, A, I think maybe it's pretty difficult to get information from these individual devices. But I also think that uh, there's a, there isn't an acceptance yet of some of these device data uh, to be clinically valid. And I think that's, again, I, I think that we should leverage that a little bit more and at least collect it right now. Well, it's interesting you say that, and I met with a company that I know you're very familiar with, Zelth, and they have a really interesting model where the health system is integrating these digital health solutions that are often collecting data, and you know sometimes it's through something as simple as an email, sometimes it's a text message or whatever. It could be you know all sorts of formats, or it could be a full app that's monitoring uh, you know uh, care of a baby when the you know the, the maternal care, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, what's interesting with them is they're going, going, they went to the health system and the health system said, I want to work with these digital health solutions and these digital health uh, options and content, if you will. Uh, and, and let's track that and let's understand the data that, you know, so it's literally integrated with the health system, with the uh, healthcare clinician that's providing the care. And so then, you know, they can use the data. And I wonder if that model isn't how it needs to be done. Because if I just show up with all of this ECG data from my live core device, you know, the doctor doesn't know how to process it. Whereas Zelth has already done the integration. They know which person in the care process, whether it's the doctor, the nurse, the care manager, whoever that's going to be managing it to be able to use that data. They've already built that process in. And, you know, it's pretty compelling when I, you know, hear them talking about it. It's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense why they would do it. My only question is, can they keep up with the number of health apps that are coming out and will they get leapfrogged by ones where they're, you know, the patient goes and says, this data is so valuable and doctor, you better deal with it, you know, before it can be integrated into some sort of uh, solution set that way. Plus, they're also just doing health systems, not, you know, ambulatory provider organizations, which is kind of another world. Right. Right. Actually, that brings up a, a great, a great point as well, John, that you know, there's there's opportunity at the individual level to leverage data better uh, for ourselves, right? I mean, there's so some of us that track calories, there's some of us that track, you know, certainly steps and those kinds of things, but there's other data that we could uh, combine, you know, our own gen generated data plus some data available from an EHR through the portal. Uh, and I don't think there's been enough focus to say, well, how can that information be uh, made contextualized or 
personalized for that individual to come up with something that they can do day to day. I think some hospitals and some payers are trying this and that's pretty exciting. Uh, but I think there's an opportunity there to better leverage that data right at that sort of individual level. Um, yeah, and my, uh, uh, you know, here's a, a quick uh, projection. I project that genomic data, bi biomics data, all of those you know data are going to leapfrog EHR data, which is probably the worst data because it's observational. Right. No, you're very right. You're very right. Hey, listen, thanks to all of you who tuned in to this episode of Healthcare IT Today. I'm sorry to say that it's, it's, it's done and other episodes in the bag, John. Nice. Uh, from for more details about our show, please check out the program's page on healthcarenowradio.com and please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSN. I'm Colin Hung and with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin, thanks for listening and have a great week.